Community pharmacy has been left reeling from the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak as patients are piled into pharmacies looking for their prescriptions and paracetamol. The unprecedented level of demand has been the ultimate test for businesses who have been pushed to the limit of their capabilities. I'm CND Features Editor Thomas Cox. For this week's coronavirus podcast, I spoke to the chair of independent pharmacy organisation Avicenna, Salim Jether, about dispensing at a loss, an oncoming second wave of demand and the staffing crisis in community pharmacies. So Salim, um, great to speak with you today. There's so much to discuss regarding the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on community pharmacy. One of the main things that we should probably discuss today is uh, how the 300 million advance funding um, will will affect the sector, if, if at all. Do you think that this will be enough to alleviate the cash flow issues caused by the, the virus, um, or do you think more needs to be done? I mean, we were all very, very disappointed to hear it's no new funding. It's just borrowing from the future and paying us today. It does not address the cost we have incurred. It does not address quite a lot of uh, extra time we have done, the staffing, the putting the screens. Okay, there's a little bit of funding there. That's a very helpful sign. But all in all, very, very disappointing. And uh, we have been getting many phone calls from our members to that effect. What kind of thing have your members been saying in these phone calls? I think the first is the protection. We are not getting any uh, mask or any protective gear coming in. Uh, Secondly, is that there has been misunderstanding that people think that just because they are in isolation or they are over 70 and they can't come out, they expect, they thought this was part of the NHS service, which isn't. Delivery has never been part of the NHS services. It has to be funded and our cost of delivery is really, really short up. More than half the pharmacists are in the very threshold of uh, going bust. And with increased cost, I'm really worried that the uh, services to the public would deteriorate if should this pharmacy go under. We, especially in times like this, we really need the network to be open. And there will be a second wave with this uh, isolation, we are probably looking at a second wave of uh, work coming through, which is most like people who haven't been tested or monitored for their blood pressure, diabetics, thyroxine, etc. Mental health issues will come through as well. So uh, I think the workload is going to go up and I hope we are there to serve the public. Yeah, I think pharmacies are doing the best they can to handle this um, unprecedented um, demand. It seems that the these they're already under most extreme pressure that um, many pharmacy professionals have faced during during their in, in entire careers. Do you think that they will be able to handle extra pressure should it ramp up further with with the second wave of demand um, following health complications after? not having had the, the health care that they've been used to as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak? I think we're looking at um, several points. First of all, it's a staff availability, right? Uh, a lot of staff have felt very insulted that should they be one of the risk criteria in the self-isolate, they 
don't get this 80% funding which other people get because it's very personal. They're not laid off technically. We need some clearance on that side of it. So it's not fair for pharmacy staff to keep on working while other sectors get this funding. The second issue I have is that uh, manpower planning is very, very important, especially going forward from now. And it's manpower supported by appropriate funding to be able to go through this crisis, which we are going to get a second wave. And my third problem we're having is that the GPs are still not prescribing 28-day supply. And I'm really concerned with the lockdowns in India and China. There will be some shortages appearing. And if you don't manage the supply chain or control the supply chain now, we're in for trouble. The issue with manpower is particularly pr- pronounced one. I, th- I think the issue is getting quite desperate. Are you hearing that a lot of your uh, members are, are suffering with staffing issues at the moment. Are they due to, sa- to safety issues or just to be un- unable to cope with the surge in demand? I, I, think, I think it's a mixture of both because if you look at my pharmacy where staff kindly volunteer to work six days they, they and uh, we stayed open quite late at night behind closed doors to make sure our patients' uh, services are not uh, impeded in any way. And uh, there is an exhaustion setting up. And now we are going into a holiday period. People have booked time off for Easter children holidays, etc. So we are in a difficult period in the next two, three weeks. And especially if we haven't peaked yet, and I hope uh, pharmacy staff don't go under with symptoms and that will rule them out for another two weeks. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen over the next two, three weeks. We've heard a lot of reports of, of pharmacy staff saying that their pharmacies were may have to close. This was exemplified by um, PSNC Chief Executive Simon Duke saying um, on m- the middle of March that financial pressures may cause pharmacies to close. Do you think this is a real possibility for your members? Financial pressures are definitely there. Uh, quite a lot of members are buying prices higher than what we are being reimbursed for and things are moving very fast. So I'm also worried that some of the members are actually not pharmacy profession in general, are dispensing at a loss just to keep the supply chain open. And I think this is very important. It needs to be addressed as quickly as possible and not wait for meetings, meetings and meetings. What do you think would be the best way of addressing this? Is is this just by simply having more price concessions or do you think there needs to be an overhaul of, of the reimbursement system? The DOI should look at the daily pricing rather than weekly or monthly as it happens now. And I think likewise, the members should send their uh, prices uh, to PSNC on a daily basis. And we really need quick action. And currently, it it doesn't quite work because you you may have an account with a major wholesaler and they think it's available from a third wholesaler whom you don't have an account. Although their prices may be below drug tariff, but the problem is they would need a minimum order of X number of pounds per month. So they won't just supply you one item by itself. Let's hope that uh, <laughs> P- PSNC listens to this podcast 
Um, and are there any medicines in particular that are, that are causing your members' issues? First of all, if you, if you look at over-the-counter lines, I can source with a mask, for example, but it comes at such a high price that if I was to put it to the public, public would think that I'm profiteering. So I'm in a very difficult position. Do I order this expensive mask or I don't? And when we did try on a smaller scale, people think, hey, you are profiteering. And we are not actually. So in my case, I decided not to sell the mask, which, which, is, which is very, very sad because I was caught between the two things. Uh, the uh, sanitizers is the same. It's coming at such a high price. What used to be selling at one pound, now it's probably five, six pounds. And people perception is that it's, we are making that extra money. We are not. We are buying way, way expensive than what, what was available then. Mm. The paracetamol, especially for children, we are having problems. At least I am having problems sourcing that. The alcohol and other genetic equivalent is very, very... And, and, and parents are obviously very concerned about this. On the prescription side of it, the inhalers are getting a problematic especially the uh, preventers, the brown inhalers. Uh, it has been very, very difficult to source it, and I got a lot of owings for people to come and collect it. And my worry is that if you can't control their breathing, they would end up in hospital. That's the last thing you want to do, a respiratory person going to the hospital in current circumstances. Yeah, yeah that's the, the last thing you want, to, to add pressure onto an already creaking system. Okay, brilliant. Some really interesting points there on uh, masks, delivery, manpower, um, and, and dispensing at, at a loss. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and yeah, well, I'd hope to speak to you soon about this and uh, good luck with everything. That was Salim Jether discussing his concerns about the impact of COVID-19 on community pharmacy. We've been hitting our readers with daily depressing news, but it's important to recognise the positive things that have also been happening. I have a few upbeat tweets for you to lighten the mood. The first is from a patient called Rachel Clark, who's from Greater Manchester, who said a huge thank you to the Lloyd's Pharmacy in the Sainsbury's on Hazel Grove. Despite there being a huge queue around the outside of the store, a, uh, a member of staff took her script and dispensed it and brought it out in, in 10 minutes. So thoughtful and caring. And then another one is from a pharmacy professional in Lothian, Scotland, who says Lovely to receive feedback from a GP who wanted to say pharmacy colleagues are doing an incredible job under immense pressure. Well done and a massive thank you for all you're doing. And the final one is from Amish Patel, the owner of Hodgson Pharmacy in Kent and National Pharmacy Association board member. He said that he'd just received a lovely card and face advisors for the whole team to show their appreciation for all the hard work of his team members. Absolutely amazing, he said. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe via iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thanks very much for listening.